Welcome, everybody. Like I said, my name my name's Bree, and I get to close out this act series that we've been doing for the last five weeks. And next week, we're jumping into a four-week Leviticus series. So we're, we're hitting all the good ones this season. Um, and, and so hopefully this morning we, we've had a, a, a little college focus, but ho- hope that this service would, would be fun for us, that, that we would get to have fun as, as we're together and we're sharing life. And so um, we kicked off, if you're just jumping into this series and you haven't been around, Mark four weeks ago kicked off this series talking about Acts 1, waiting for the power of God, that the church was a community who waited for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for his power. Then Alyssa talked about risking with God, how the early church takes risks. Phil talked about how, how different ones encountered God for the sake of others, that when we meet Jesus, it's not just for us, but it's for all the people around us. And then um, last week, Mark talked about going, going to hard places, going to places where we need Jesus, right? And so that all sounds amazing. That all sounds super exciting to me. And, and, and when, I, when I think about the book of Acts, I, as we've been in this series and for the past couple months, there's been something stirring in my heart of, I want the kingdom of God to come to Boston right? I, I, I dream about it. I love this city. I love the people here. I love that I'm going to get to go to Red Sox games in the warm soon, right? And, and I dream about could a move of God really happen? Could we really see a movement of the Holy Spirit? Could more churches be planted in our midst because of what God is doing in this gym and in homes throughout Brighton and Roxbury and, and different places? Can that really happen, right? Every day I, I sit and spend time with Jesus and have a map in front of me, um, and, and I pray for our college ministry that we would be a college ministry that's connected to the last people group here, right? That what we're doing here really matters, right? And, and so as we've looked at the book of Acts, this, this is our history, and this is what we can step into. And so this morning, um, I, we're, we're going to skip to the end. Mark talked about Paul's first missionary journey. I'm skipping the next two, so read them crazy stuff happens. And, and, and we're going to skip to Acts 27 and 28, where Paul is heading to Rome. Um, and, and he gets shipwrecked and ends up on Malta. And so this morning, really want to talk about how Paul was active in the midst of setbacks. Because if we're really committed to being a people who's living out the kingdom of God, who's saying yes to Jesus, who's taking risks, we're going to have setbacks that come in our life as a result of that. Not just hard things that happen because there's life, but we're going to encounter certain things because we're pursuing the mission of God. And so all throughout history of the church, there's been persecutions, there's been setbacks. And this morning, I want to look at how Paul responded, some principles of his life, um, so that we can be prepared, either, either if we're in that season now, or if we're going to hit those things as we continue to follow Jesus. Sound good? All right, cool. So um, our, our college team, um, we also went to Puerto Rico um, uh, about a month, month and a half ago. I don't, yeah, a couple months ago. Um, and we had a little um, detour of our own as, as we were getting ready to go. All, there, were, there were 24 of us. We were heading to the airport. Right um, as we were heading to the airport, I got an email from group reservations that said, hey, your flight are canceled and our office is closed right now. And so basically figure out how to get your flights. And we're like, uh, okay. So we turned and all of our cars around, showed up in our living room, Leah tuned her guitar, and we're like, play some worship, do an icebreaker, we'll figure this out. Um, I called the airline, um, start talking to the people. Because group reservations were closed, they weren't prepared 
to deal with all 24 of us because all of our tickets were blocked together. So they didn't know how to break it up and kind of put us on different flights. So when I called, they said, hey, we have flights for you. We'll get you there. But as I was on the phone with the woman, the flight started slowly just like drifting away. And so by the end of our phone call, we were on. So that, that was Friday. Our flights were all for that Monday. So we already missed two days. And our team of 24 was on four different flights. The first flight starting at 5.30 a.m., and the last flight getting in on Monday morning at 2 a.m. So a lot going on, a lot of people kind of everywhere. And, and so I was like, okay, we encountered a setback as we were pursuing the mission of God. We had raised money. We had fasted. We had prayed. We, we had our whole schedule set up of things we were really excited to do those couple days. And, and so we hit that moment, and something unexpected happened, and we had an opportunity to respond to Jesus in that, right? Are we going to become discouraged? Are we going to sit around for the next couple days? Or are we going to be active in our faith in this, in this, um, in this opportunity? And so I want to ask you, where are times in your life where you felt like God has spoken to you and you've then encountered a setback, right? That you were obeying Jesus in the risk and then things didn't end up how they were supposed to end up, right? You had been believing God to end at a certain place and then you got stuck. And so these could be small situations like our flight getting delayed, or these could be really painful seasons that you've walked through or that you're in right now, that you're saying, I've, I've obeyed Jesus, and, and now there's this situation in my life that's really painful. And so this morning, I, I want to address that, both, both in the small things and the big things. How did, how did Paul respond when he hit one of these times? And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 27. Um, it's where we pick up this story. So basically, Paul finishes his third missionary journey. He rolls into Jerusalem. He ends up getting put in jail. He puts on tri- trial. Jesus literally shows up to him in the jail cell and says, hey, you're going to go to Rome. So he's like, okay. So he goes to court. He appeals to Caesar, and he jumps on a boat to go to Rome. And so this is a big chunk of scripture. It's almost all of Acts 27 and half of Acts 28. So I thought it would be fun and helpful if we had some visual help this morning. So I've asked our amazing Thursday Night Life group to, there we go, to act out this story. So this is your first time. We don't usually do this, but they let me preach. Okay, so, so I'm Luke. I'm the narrator. And if you can't see, feel free to scoot on up, stand, cheer. Crowd interaction is, this is the boat. Yes. Here we go. Hello. Here we go. Very good. All right. Everybody in? Wait, am I supposed to I don't know. Okay. All right, so Acts 27, starting in verse 13. Take your positions. Very good. All right. Okay, ready? So Acts, Acts 27. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind so they gave up and let it run before the gale. 
we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. The sailors bound the ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Citrus off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor and slowed the ship before they were driven in the wind. The next day, as the gale force wind continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a very long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said, but that you will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, we were being driven across the Sea of Adria. The sailors sensed the land was near. They dropped the weighted line and found the water was 120 feet deep. Uh But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the life boat as if they were going to put out the anchors from the front of the ship but paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard so the soldiers cut the rope of the lifeboat and let it drift away just as day was dawning paul urged everyone to eat you have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks please eat something now for your own good for not a hair of your head will perish Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get ashore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors, left them in the sea, they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, headed towards the shore, but they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the wind and waves began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for land. Then they held on to planks or debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safely to shore. Once they were safe on the shore, we learned that they were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying on the fire, a poisonous snake driven up by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. 
Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him. And then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Then that's the end. Awesome. So if you guys ever thought the Bible was boring, just do this with your life group or your kids, and the Bible will come alive. Right? So a lot just happened. Hopefully the visual helped you a little bit and didn't distract you. But there, there was so much happened in this story of setback after setback that Paul encountered. And so this morning, I want to take a couple principles, simple principles most of us already know of, of how Paul was active in his faith in the midst of those setbacks. And so we're going to look at what allowed him to be active, how he was active, and then what the result of those actions were. So... Paul said yes to the situations that were put in front of him, right? His actions in the story prove that God would come and move in his present situation, right? Picture for a minute if Paul would have just said nothing on the boat. He probably would have died along with the other prisoners, right? If he would have just got washed up on Malta and would have just sat there and waited for another boat to come, right? Revival wouldn't have broken up. All, the, all these people wouldn't have been healed, and, and so Paul knew where he was going, and he always held on to the word of God that he knew he was going to Rome. But even when he wasn't there yet, he, he was looking for the activity of God in his midst and how he could partner with it, right? He, he wasn't one who sat back and disengaged when things weren't happening, when God spoke to him, but he was, he was active. And so um, when I read these stories, I'm like, is Paul just some, like, crazy man that, like, cannot be imitated? Like, can I ever be like that? And maybe. I mean, he, he was a man of faith. But I want to I respond like Paul. I, I want our church to have stories that are written about, like stories that are written about in, in the book of Acts. And so hopefully this morning we can take a, a few principles, um, and, and maybe one of them will stick with us to start to close the gap of where in our lives um, versus where in, in the apostles' lives that we can line up. So, what allowed Paul to be active in his setbacks? Two things. The first thing is Paul knew God's word and knew God's presence, right? In this passage, God sent a messenger. He sent his angel to Paul, and the angel spoke to him. Acts 27, 23 says, For last night an angel of of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Right, I read this and I think, okay, I did not have an angel show up when I was rebooking my flights for six hours for Puerto Rico, <laughs> right? And, and if an angel would have shown up, I probably would have been a little nervous that the situation was bigger than it actually was, right? But I, our team, we did have the word of God hidden in our hearts. God has sent us his message, right, through the word of God. He has sent us the Holy Spirit to speak to us in times when we encounter things as we're pursuing the mission of God, right? So in, in that time, the, the word of God was hidden in my heart that all things work together for good who love him, right? That the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, that he's always with us. He'll never forsake us, right? That he withholds no good things from those who walk uprightly. Like there, there are these default things that, that Paul had the word from God from the angel, but that we can have through scripture and 
through the Holy Spirit in moments as, as we hit these times. And so we must know the word of God. We must know the character of God if we're going to continue to take risks for the kingdom. And the second thing that allowed Paul to be active in the midst of these setbacks was the community and, and was church, was the people around him. Right? We know from this text and others that, that both Luke and Aristarchus, he was a Greek Macedonian from um, Thessalonica, they willingly went with him on this journey. So we don't see their names necessarily in, in this story, but we know from other texts, and, and it uses the plural that Paul had people with him. Luke and Aristarchus were with him on this journey, and, and Paul allowed others to go with him. He didn't do it alone. And so I don't, I, I wonder what this conversation was like. I wonder if Paul was like, hey, you two, you're coming with me. Like, I'm not doing this alone. But I, I think probably these two men looked at him and said, hey, we're, we're with you. You're not going to do this alone. If you have a word from God, we want to see this, we want to see this fulfilled. And so the, the story doesn't say that they were the ones who had the vision where Jesus showed up to them, right? They weren't the ones with the major word from God. Um, but as the community, they were active to get behind other people who did have that, who were obeying Jesus in what he had spoken to them. And so these men were putting their whole lives on the line because they believed that Paul had a word and mission from God, and they were just as committed to seeing it fulfilled as Paul was. And so... It's a good encouragement and challenge to me and to us that we're not always the ones who get the word from God, right? We don't always get the vision from God, but we all have the opportunity to get behind others to, and, and to serve people in our midst to see the mission of God fulfilled in our city and the ends of the earth. And so if you feel like there's something that God's called you to do, who are you allowing to walk with you when you hit setbacks, right? It, it is a vulnerable place to say, I'm believing God for this, and then to allow other people into that process when it's not being fulfilled. And it's just as challenging sometimes to feel bad when I don't know my mission, I don't know my purpose, I don't know what I'm created for, but who are you actively seeking out? Who do you know around you that, that you can join and partner with in seeing the mission of God fulfilled? And so we, we need each other when, when setbacks come. And so Paul was active in the midst of setbacks because he knew the word of God and he had people around them. And so what does it practically look like to be active in these times? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on three things. There's a lot. But it's, I'm going to say word, deed, and power. That's what Paul walked out. And so word. Paul spoke the word of God in these situations and he became an encourager to those around him. Right? The scripture says all hope was gone, people weren't eating, it was dark, there was a massive storm. And what does Paul do? He calls people together, and he tells them about the vision of the angel. He tells them the word of God, and he says to everyone, So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Now, what's, what's impressive to me about Paul isn't that he had angels showing up to him, but it's that in the midst of being a prisoner, in, in the midst of having no authority in this situation, he spoke the word of God to hundreds of people who didn't know Jesus, to, to people who didn't agree with him, right? He could have easily held on to the word and just prayed it in. He could have, like, told just Luke and Aristarchus, hey, the, hey this, is, this happened with, like, an angel. He could have just told a few people around him, but he gathered everyone together on the ship and spoke the word of God to them, right? 
And so in the, in the place of his weakness, his physical weakness, his, uh, ev- everything that was happening, um, he, he, he took a risk, and he didn't know how people were going to respond, right? He was on the boat because he'd been preaching the gospel. He knew he could get beat. He knew he could get killed. He, he knew there could be repercussions for him, um, but, but he kept speaking the truth and the reality of God even in the midst of this setback and suffering. And so the second thing is deed. Paul took care of others, even when he was in a place of lack. Acts 27, 33 says, Paul urged everyone to eat. He said, you've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Please eat something now for your own good. And so once again, Paul wasn't in charge of the situation, but he saw the need around him. He saw that people were anxious. He saw that they were starving, right? And he stepped in with practical help. And so when we hit setbacks in our lives, it's natural to want to pull back. It's natural to want to say, this, this is what I have, and, and I'm going to keep it for myself, right? Emotionally, I'm in this really hard place. I'm going to avoid that person in the office because I don't really want to deal with them. I'm going to screen this phone call from this person from Life Group because I just can't, like, pray for someone else right now, right? Finances. I've been obeying God and risking, going on short-term trips, doing all these things. I don't know if I can really tithe. I don't know if I can really give right now, right? Material things. Like, can, can I really continue to give up? things that, that I want to use and want to have. And so, hear me, there, there are times when we need boundaries, right? We just had a whole series on emotional health, and I'm pro-emotional health and boundaries. Um, but there is a reality that when we're forging towards God's plan and purposes for our life, there are times to give and to serve in the midst of our own pain and our lack in crisis situations. And so it's, it's a both and, and that's where we have the Holy Spirit, that's where we have community, that's where we have the Word of God to discern when, when do I walk in, in boundaries and emotional health? And hey, hey when, when, do I, when do I give? When do I serve? When, where do I lay down my life? Um, so deed. And the third thing is power. That Paul relied and expected the power of God to come in setbacks. Acts 27. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. And so Paul, in his setback, went into places of pain and weakness and believed that God still wanted to move in his situation even though he wasn't at the destination, right? The word, his, his word of God wasn't being fulfilled right then that, that he, he was in Rome, but he said, what, what does God want to do here? Where can the power of God come for these people? And so this, this, is a, this is a big area of challenge for me, right? To believe the power of God for others when I'm the one wanting deliverance, when I'm the one wanting a miracle, right? And I don't see the supernatural on a regular basis. When I pray for people, they, they have not been healed every time, right? But, but I want it. And I believe that as we continue to press into Jesus, we're going to start to see these things in our midst. The power of God is going to come. And, and so what, what would it look like? What would it look like if random people in, in our classes or in our jobs or on our street really started encou- encountering the power of God, right? It, w- it would be amazing. And so on our Puerto Rico trip, we got to experience a little bit of this. Um, as, as we were here in Boston, we said, okay, God has a plan and purpose. Where can the power of God be expressed? And so we decided we have a sister church in Waltham. So we went to church there on that Sunday morning and decided to do um, outreach in the afternoon to pray for people, to ask them, hey, is, uh, is, is there any way that Jesus can, can touch you? 
today. And so three girls on our team, they decided um, we're going to go get our eyebrows threaded and share with the people there, right? They want to look good for spring break. So they went in, they ended up, I won't say names, they went in, they ended up meeting um, this, this girl who was sitting there. She was a college student. They were, they were small talking. It was a good conversation. They ended up getting called in, getting their eyebrows down. And, and then at the end, they all came back out and they're like, hey, we need to go find this girl. Like, we, we want to pray for her. We want to tell her about Jesus. So she had already left. So they start going after her down the street, chasing her a little bit. I call it spirit stalking. You're, like, walking fast to, like, catch up with someone that you want to pray for. Right? And so they, they end up saying, hey, we know we just talked to you. Like, this may be weird, but we, we want to pray for you. We love Jesus. And so this girl just breaks down and starts telling them about her father who's abusive, who's an alcoholic, all this pain in her life while she's at school. And they just get to pray for her. They get to tell her about Jesus. And the power of God came. She encountered the person of Jesus in, in, in Waltham, right? God, God wanted to do something in our midst. And it gave our team faith that, hey, we can go to Puerto Rico and see awesome things happen because people are nicer there than they are in Boston, right? And so even if they say, no, I don't want prayer, they're like still giving you hugs, right? But no, God, God wants to come here. Like our, our faith was, uh, came up for the the power of God in, in our context here. And so, so Paul is active in setbacks through God's word and community because he had those around them, and he operated with the words, the deeds, and the power of God in the situation. And so what's the result, right? You guys know how the story ends. All the sick people came. They were all healed, right? Revival breaks out on Malta. And, and my encouragement to us in this is that other people are watching us in the midst of our setbacks, Right? When we're open with our lives, when people know we're pursuing Jesus, when people who don't know Jesus know that we have a word from God and, and this is what we're committed to, and you hit a setback, people are watching how we respond. And so that's not a pressure thing, that's an authenticity thing of how can I be authentic about what's really happening in this situation. I'm sure Paul was not, like, super happy when the snake bit him, right? That doesn't mean we have to put on a happy face in every situation, but there was an authenticity that, that Paul and his companions had that allowed people to see that God was real and they weren't going to waver when they hit these things. And so Paul got to bring life to people on the boat. He got to bring healing to people on the island. And, and, and there was a life that came because people were watching him because he was open in these times. And so this, this is a fun story about our team. Is Our team had an amazing attitude um, through the whole time. I was a little nervous that, like, oh, no, we're not going to go for, like, three days, and then everyone's going to, like, be weird and downcast. But our team, we, we had a blast um, while we were here. It didn't even feel like a setback in the end. And so our team, as we were doing outreach in Waltham, met this woman, Sally. And they're talking to Sally. They, like, invaded this tea shop in Waltham um, and are talking to this woman, are telling them we're going to Puerto Rico, but then the storm hit here, all this stuff. And, um, and Sally said, hey, I have a TV show in Waltham, and I would love for you guys to be on the local segment. I, I want you to talk about your church. I want you to talk about what you guys did in Puerto Rico. And so in three weeks, some people from our team are going to be on TV in Waltham talking about Jesus and talking about what we did in Puerto Rico, right? Their, their attitudes in, in the midst of that whole situation um, made, made a way for the kingdom of God to be proclaimed here, right? This is our little Malta. And, and so... And so how do, we, how do we respond this morning, right? We, we've, we've got some time here on the back end. And two things as, as I've been praying about this message. The first thing is that I felt like God said that he really wants to make us strong as a church. 
and, and, and we are strong. We, we have been doing this. We, we are men and women who press on towards Jesus in this city. And, but, but we continually need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you may be in a situation where you're like, I'm, I'm in the midst of a hard situation right now. I've been trying to do this. I'm discouraged. I, I have fear or I need the power of God. Or you may be just be saying, I want more. <laughs> I want more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we we want to pray for you. And so the band can come on up. And, and so if you're saying, hey, I, I just want more of Jesus this morning. <laughs> I want more. I want more. I, ne- I need a word from God. I need the power of God. Then, then come and, and respond. And secondly, um, this, this aspect of doing setbacks together um, as, as a community, I think is really significant um, in the season. One, one thing I didn't share is as, as we were um, in, in this community piece, as, as we're figuring out, oh no, we have two days, what are we going to do now? I immediately call Mark, and, um, who's, who's the lead pastor here, and say, uh, can you come do a teaching tomorrow for our team? Like, we need to figure something out. And he said, sure. Well, we currently have no water, no electricity, and no heat, but I'll do it. (laughs) And it's on his day off, right? And he's like, what do you want to teach on? He's like, you can come to my house, kind of assuming stuff would be up and running by the next morning. Next morning, stuff isn't up and running. So I text the Zombreaker, say, "Uh, hey, I know you have four kids, and it's a Saturday, but can I bring 25 people over to your house? And can we, like, worship and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, yeah totally, we'll figure out what to do. We'll take the kids somewhere and, and we'll do it, right? We, I, I, there was an opportunity to rely on other people in those situations. And I just want to honor our leaders to say that we have men and women who want to walk with us when we encounter pain, when we encounter setbacks. And so I want to thank you guys. It's, it's, it's a simple illustration of the way that you've lived your life. You're continually sacrificing for those around us. And and I want to be that person. I, I want us, I want all of us to, to have that. And so if you're in a place where you're like, hey, I want to see the mission of God accomplished, but I need people with me, take time and pray. Who, how, how could our life groups express this? If you're a family, who's another family that, that you could talk about these things with? Who are a few friends that you're really walking with and letting in in, in a vulnerable place? And so this morning you guys can stand and I'm going to pray for us. And so if you're saying, hey, I want more of the Holy Spirit, I want more of his power, I need the grace of God in this season, or you're saying, hey, I, I, I need people. I, I want people who can, who can walk with me in this so that we can really see the kingdom um, advance, then, then you can respond. And so, Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you put examples before us that stretch us, that encourage us, that challenge us, God. But, Lord, that you are inviting us into the same thing. God, you're inviting us into your mission, Lord. And, God, we are committed as a church, Lord, to continually saying yes to what you've called us to, even in places of pain, even in discouragement, even in setbacks, God. And so, Lord, where I'm asking this morning for the power of the Holy Spirit, for every person who needs a touch, God, would you come right now in Jesus' name. And so if you want to pray for people, you can come on up and let's respond to God.